Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Road to Recovery podcast. This podcast is a platform for education, discussion, and conversations on mental health. I'm your host, Amira Shah, and in this podcast, you'll get to know more about the therapeutic process, insight into life from the perspective of the psyche, and also join me in exploring current issues with other practitioners. I specialize in grief, but I'm always interested in learning about the human experience of the mind, heart, and spirit. So join me on this journey of in-depth learning about ourselves and the world we live in. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Science of the Soul. Today, I have with me a colleague and a really dear friend, Maria Mahoon. She is a therapist based in London. She is a TCK, and her doctoral dissertation is about TCKs. So without further ado, hi, Mariam. Hi. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for accepting the invitation. So tell us a little bit about what a TCK is. TCK stands for third culture kid. And the technical definition um, and, the, and the definitions change and the concepts have been evolving. Um, but the technical definition is a child who grows up in a culture that is outside of their parents' culture. So, for example, a British couple who have a child in Singapore, um, that child, that British child growing up in Singapore um, is a TCK. And if the child is born there? It doesn't matter. Um, so, it, it, sorry, to, to go back to the technical definition, it's someone who spends a significant amount of their developmental years. So you mm -hmm. could, uh, that child could live in Singapore from zero to 18 and mm -hmm. qualify for a TCK, or they could live there from 10 to 15 and still qualify for a TCK. So what's the T about then? Um, the, the first culture would be the parents' culture. So it's whatever language, food, music, uh, values, um, discussions, narratives, histories that that British couple is bringing into the home for, for this child. That's the first culture because they're directly linked to their parents' culture. Um, the second one is the country that they're living in. So when they go to school, when they interact with other people, if they interact with other locals, other expats in the country, um, whatever qualifies as culture um, for Singapore, um, that's the second culture. Now for the child, this is very confusing. Um, it, can, it, can be, it can be a lot of fun. They get to enjoy um, a whole array of experiences, but they kind of feel a little bit decentered because they don't, um, depending on the situation, they, they might feel pulled toward one or the other. They might have conflicts with one or the other cultures. So they begin to create their own culture. 
They begin to pick out things um, from different cultures and make uh, make their own. And so I always say, it, you know, each TCK is like a, a snowflake. It's so granular how they um, take the the small nuanced things that we can miss in everyday conversation, um, in having relationships with objects or food or specific physical locations or even a feeling. Um, and, and, um, and that's created to sort of stabilize the child as they're, as they're developing so they can have an identity and a way to interact in the world. Well, that's actually a really, really good analogy. I, I love the idea of the snowflake because it kind of means that every TCK is unique and special and has created his or her own culture internally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you see that even within the same family, um, even between siblings. So mm -hmm. if um, going back to the example of the British couple having a child in Singapore, um, maybe they lived in Singapore for a few years and then they moved to Tokyo um, and they had another child there. That child will have a very different experience to their older sibling. Um, and even if they didn't, um, even if both children were born in, in Singapore um, or lived in Singapore, there's still a, a sibling relationships will, will still be impacted and they will have their individual experiences because of A, them being two different people, and B, um, the timing, age, individual differences, um, parent-child relationships, social mm -hmm. skills, um, all of these are, are impacted um, when it comes to the individual's experiences. And so it might be that even though they're having the same experience, they can't share that experience with each other. And this is what we, we like to, I mean, so, some other TCK therapists and then TCK training like to develop that awareness about how to support each other while going through some confusing, uh, confusing experiences. Yeah, and I imagine that language plays a really large role because depending on your developmental years and when you start to understand grammar and language comes with uh, various cultural uh, nuances as well. So I guess if the child moves to Singapore at the age of 10, um, he or she may not, I guess, learn the language as easily or as quickly or as well as a younger sibling who was born um, there in Singapore or grew up from the age of three or four um, in the same place. So developmental years, I imagine, will be quite profound in terms of creating that third culture within that person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I think it also depends on where, where the parents, um, well, what is the parent's story and what is their reason for being in a different country 
And that also impacts um, how much culture they, they want to bring in and how much they want to protect the child from getting too immersed. Mm -hmm. This happens as well. If parents are used to traveling, and for example, they're international school uh, teachers and they spend three or four years in a country and then they move on to a different country. You also see this with um, children who um, are from army backgrounds or missionary um, backgrounds, mm. any sort of parental job that's um, requiring that parent to travel but take their family with them. Um, there have been, th th there are, you know, a number of stories where you will hear that the parents didn't want the the children to be immersed in in the local culture so age matters for sure but it also other there's a lot of other factors that come in when it comes to language development because they might not even have had the opportunity to learn and i understand that you are also a tck do you feel comfortable with sharing with us your story a little bit? Sure. Um, I can actually, language is, is a very good point. Um, English is the only language that I can read, write, speak, and understand, even though I'm a TCK. So in a way, I'm <laughs> um, I give TCKs a bad rep because people assume that if you're well-traveled or you've lived in multiple locations, you speak more than one language. Um, I didn't um, get to experience that. Um, I was taught my parents' uh, regional language at home. I have a limited uh, vocabulary and comprehension, and it is only spoken. Mm. Uh, I can't read it, I can't write it, I can't text it, um, and mm -hmm. if I travel to Pakistan and I speak it, then everyone instantly knows that it's not, um, it's not my first language. Um, what else did you want to know about? <laughs> your, your, your story as a TCK. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, hard to describe. I think I didn't consider myself as a TCK when I was a TCK and I was growing up there. I had an awareness, um, but it, it wasn't something that mattered. Um, growing up in Saudi in an international school where everybody comes from everywhere, you live in housing compounds. Again, there's a lot of nationalities. Um, there's a lot of mixing of cultures. There's um, so difference was not necessarily something in my experience bad. It didn't matter that the neighbors um, were from Lebanon or were from India or f were from Germany. Um, it just, it didn't matter. Um, it was interesting to um, share a living space. Um, our, our particular compound used to have compound-wide um, parties or entertainments where they would take trips or they would have um, like an Eid party, Halloween, New Year's, things like that, that really brought everybody together. Um, it wasn't all um, 
roses and rainbows. Uh, there, there are definitely difficulties. I um, find myself to this day pretty disconnected from my Pakistani culture. Um, mm. I really love the food. Um, it's, it's really the only thing that I feel, ca you know, carries through throughout the years. Other things I don't really relate to, and I don't really um, include as a part of my being. Um, I don't relate to, um, yeah, some aspects of, of of the Pakistani culture that are very important for Pakistanis, but because I didn't really grow up there or didn't live there, um, they didn't sort of make their way into, you know, just. Yeah, I guess, you know, you, you, you sort of absorb culture and, and it's almost like a process of osmosis. Um, mm -hmm. You don't always have a lot of control which things will go in and which things will stay out. And a lot of it also depends on your personality and how, how you interact with the world. My sister, for example was very different. She, she, she loved the clothes. She loves the music. Um, she speaks the languages. She can read the languages. Um, whereas I, I, I can't. Um, so if you ask, um, her, she would tell you a very different story, but she is almost seven years older than me. So. Mm. Was she born in Saudi Arabia? No, she moved when she was two. Mm, so that's what you were talking about with language, with age. Um, and I guess when you're being exposed to so many different nationalities as neighbors, as part of your community from babyhood, mm -hmm. um, it's the norm for you. That's what is normal. So the difference is not really a difference because there was nothing else to compare to. Uh, am I on the right track? Mm, yeah. Um, this is why TCKs come to therapy as adults. Um, and I know that there are therapists that work with families and children to, and, um, to give them some sort of education so that they can prevent some of the issues that are coming up for the adults. So um, the term for an adult TCK is ATCK. Um, it's not a particularly um, uh, well thought out or creative um, term. Um, and there are the scientific community. <laughs> well, there there are academics that are try, uh, trying to come up with um, with a better term. But for me, it's it's more like that person is 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 third culture anyway. So it's more like it's a third culture person, because even though you're an adult now and you have you've lived this life of moving around, and now maybe. Um, you know, you're, you're working somewhere or you're studying somewhere or you have a family or something is, you know, you're, you're more or less, um, I guess, in a space where you're perceived as an adult in the world. Um, and things can, things that have been bubbling under the surface, um, might might emerge in adulthood so um the original um, i want to mention one book which is very very important um it's basically the bible for third culture kids and it's by um david 
Pollock and Ruth Van Recken, they're sociologists and they took over um, some of the work um, from the, one of the people who came up with the idea, Ruth Isim, in the 70s, I believe, and she's the one who sort of coined the term. Um, but they've taken a lot of her work further and in this book highlighted a lot of the challenges, um, difficulties and conflicts that TCKs experience, but also what's the good thing about being a TCK? What's the benefit of um, growing up in all of these cultures and growing up between worlds? So that's what it's called. It's called Third Culture Kids, Growing Up Among Worlds. And um, it highlights the benefits and challenges. So for example, um, TCKs have expanded worldviews. Um, they, um, compared to monoculture children, um, even when we compare in adulthood, um, they have expanded worldviews. And what, um, what these writers sort of describe is how a lot of um, the qualities in the TCK's experience are sort of an, in, in a paradox. They live in a paradox paradoxical life. So on the one hand, they have expanded worldviews. On the other hand, they find it really difficult to find their loyalties. Um, mm. So if you think about a, um, a political issue, um, someone growing up in a monoculture where their parents believe this one political narrative and then their neighbors believe the same thing, their grandparents believe the same thing, their cousins down the road believe the same thing, and they sort of have this sort of shared identity and shared worldview. For the TCK, they get exposed to so many different worldviews, you know, um, when they're two, three, four, five, and they're, they're just increasing those worldviews as they go along. When it comes to forming their own ideas or their own um, beliefs, it, it's a little bit of a struggle because they're able to see things from multiple perspectives, kind of like therapists. Um, and, and so it, it, it creates an internal conflict. Like, what do I really believe? Or, or do I believe in this because my friend does? Or do I believe in this because my parents do? But my friend doesn't believe in what my parents believe in. And but I can hold both ideas in my in my mind, and that's one way to to sort of work with it is is holding the multiplicity um, rather than narrowing it down and yeah making it harder. And what you're saying right now brings me to think about um, our current global climate where we've been facing a very unique situation of this pandemic that we've been faced with for what six months now maybe more um, mm -hmm. in the forefront of our daily lives mm -hmm. of course there are differences in different countries but what has been your experience as a tck mm -hmm. and as um a therapist who mm -hmm. also sees TCK clients mm -hmm. during this pandemic? You know, it's very interesting. There's been uh, a lot of varied responses as humans will have uh, varied responses. Um, 
but for some, it's been it's been really interesting. They they've sort of been unfazed um, by this because they might have come from backgrounds where they might not have experienced a global pandemic at this scale, but they have encountered elements of um, of lockdown or other disasters around them that were unprecedented. There are stories of people experiencing riots, blackouts, famine, um, government overthrow, curfews, um, military presence. Um, I, I myself was in lockdown when I was four years old during the Gulf War in 1990. Um, so it, it, there, there is an element of um, having resilience and um, uh, being able to to deal with uncertainty and um, I guess having things out of your control. But on the other hand, there have been TCKs that are triggered by. Um, by the pandemic, um, they can particularly with lockdown. It's, if the TCK sort of changing background creates this sort of floating self, if you will, um, they can exist in, in many places, in many environments, very, very easily. And now all of a sudden, they can't leave their homes. Um, mm. this, this has led to people feeling really trapped really, really questioning where they belong, where are they from, um, what, um, where do they really want to end up, and, and having to confront challenging experiences like, well, what if I always have to stay in one place? How's, mm. How that's going to challenge their identity and their experiences. And their futures. Yes. Um, I yeah, I can definitely relate a little bit there because... Do you want to um, say more about you being a, a TCK and your experience during the pandemic? Well, similar to what you've said, um, being a TCK, it kind of made me quite adaptive. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if I'm it's on a cognitive level or an emotional level or a situational level. But generally I feel that I have grown to be quite adaptive to situations, to circumstances and uncertainties. But given this lockdown, um, I've been in Australia for a few years now. Um, but my family is in Singapore and Australia and Singapore, we're like neighbors, you know, it's, it's very cheap and very easy to fly back. Um, within four hours, I can just land in Changi airport and half an hour from that point, I will be at home on my couch hmm. or in my room. So, um, my sisters and I, we, we visit each other very often and the thought or the idea of not seeing them even for a year just hardly ever crosses my mind because wherever we are in the world and we've lived in 
Australia at different times together apart in Singapore um, in Saudi Arabia where I met you and also in Uzbekistan you know because that's what happens when you're TCK it's just so random you don't understand why <laughs> you're there and when you're sitting there telling stories to your friends and your colleagues they're like wait what did you just say I'm like oh yeah no we spent a few years in Uzbekistan but but before that we were in Saudi Arabia and they're like what <laughs> um, so being here in Australia and suddenly realizing that hey, um, we are going to be internationally locked down mm -hmm. for a whole year. Mm -hmm. I last saw my family in January and given what's been happening around the world, I don't know if I'll see them next year. Mm. Um, I've never even considered that because my physical presence is not home. My home is with the people I care about, the ones I loved. And I guess it's that sense of, of being a nomad mm -hmm. where the ground and the roots and the anchor is possibly with people, but on the same, on the same toke, um, there's also the fact that because our close intimate relationships are always uh, maintained online, mm -hmm. that kind of works out in a really good way as well. Mm -hmm. But the quality is different, at least for me. Mm, of course. The, yeah. It's so, I'm so used to speaking to my parents and my family online. Um, and um, n now I feel, but there, there's always, there's always been like, well, I'll see you at some point, you know, mm, and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I try to see them at least a couple of times a year. Um, and now I don't know when that will be. So even mm. though I'm used to having a lot, lots of relationships, you know, online, there's still always this thing of, well, I'm, I'm going to see you soon. And there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, but apart from family and, and home, what, what else has, has come up for you during lockdown? In terms of being a TCK? Mm -hmm. Well, do you feel that um, being a TCK has prepared you any, in any way, if you've had any sort of aspects of a lockdown before in your life? Um. Mm, probably not like you, not having gone through, I haven't gone through the Gulf War or anything like that. Um, however, having said that, I am from Singapore, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a very regulated place. <laughs> very simple. Um, what happened during lockdown was while lockdown was happening, um, it didn't concern me too much. It wasn't very much uh, of something that was playing on my mind about going home or seeing people. I just assumed mm -hmm. that it happened at some point, like what you said. I'll mm -hmm. see you soon. Yeah. Um, once that started to 
seem like quite a distant illusion. <laughs> um, that's when I found myself, funnily enough, grasping on different elements of my so-called identity through food. Mm. So whenever, like, I find myself more and more inclined these days in the past months to find ways to create food <laughs> that reminds me of home. So I'll go through all these trouble to, you know, hunt for random ingredients to make some rice flour pancakes from South India. Um, we call them dosas. Um, and find the right sauce or the right recipe for a certain type of sauce for a Chinese dish mm-hmm. or how to make a pao. Mm-hmm. So it gets it gets quite ridiculous. I get wrapped up in wrapped wrapped up in that sort of um, world. And when I manage to create something that resonates or resembles with my experiences of home and what I identify with, I get extremely excited, and I'll share it with you know home, which are mm-hmm. my sisters, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how we connect. And sometimes we watch. Um, videos and movies um, that we grew up with so Mm -hmm. in different languages um, I my my ethnic background is Indian and Pakistani although I don't really know how different they are sometimes Um, but yeah so just you know watching and listening to music um, and then when part of me misses Singapore as a home, I will, you know, look up all these uh, comedians and I will watch these black and white movies from the 60s mm-hmm. when Singapore was part of Malaysia even. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's how I've kind of engaged with my TCK-ness during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it, it seems that it helped you um, get through lockdown because cooking isn't something, uh, well, I've, I've seen you cook, um, but it's not something you can do in five minutes. So it's something that's also taking up time during lockdown, um, and keeping you engaged in that experience, um, for some time. Mm. Yeah, that's true. It's really therapeutic, especially when there is so much, else involved in preparing these dishes, Um, you know, memories come up, Um, experiences, you know, voices of people you had similar experiences with or enjoyed these experiences with. And um, it kind of gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling of home. What is the difference between the TCK and a second generational uh, resident of a different country then? Um, one of the biggest um, differences that comes up, they, they share a lot of similarities, okay? There's, um, there is, you know, um, a lot of cultural overlap. There is um, the experience of not really feeling like you belong with your family and not really feeling like you belong with the host country and kind of living in between. Those experiences are shared, but I think that there's, um, TCKs have uh, this ontological insecurity of, there's an expectation that where they're living currently um, might not be their permanent home. 
Mm. Whereas second generation children don't experience that. So if the Singaporean parents had brought their child to England and had a child here, um, then the child can grow up here and go to school and graduate and go to university and get a job here if they want to. So their experience is a little bit different because they they have a little bit of relief of of, of an anchor of a home, actually a physical space. Whereas for a TCK, their parents might say, um, and in fact, these are the most important conversations throughout the TCK's journey, is the conversations the parents are having with their children. What are the parents saying? Are the parents saying, we're here for a short time? How mm-hmm. is that going to impact the TCK? Are they going to withdraw from making friendships because they might feel, well, what's the point? Um, or are they going to really latch on um, and, and kick up a fuss, which is sometimes what TCKs do. They don't want to move yet again. Um, so um, I forgot what your original question was. A second generation. Right. Um, so that ontological insecurity, that kind of feeling in the back of your head or even in your body that mm, I'm here now um, and I have these friends now and I have these experiences now, but I might have to give these up one day. Um, and that, that I think plays a huge part in how they relate, how they understand themselves and how they uh, relate to other people. Um, the other thing, the other big difference is again more of a sociopolitical one. Um, if the child was born um, in England, after some point, they they, they will have rights um, in England. Whereas for some TCKs, they might end up living in countries where they're always a foreigner. They're always on. Um, some sort of visa or some sort of um, where they don't have access to citizenship. So even if they're born there and they live there their whole lives, or at least until they're 18, um, they can't apply for citizenship. They can't access, um, you know, the, the, the services that will be available to the local residents. Um, so that, that creates another separation. Um, and the third one um, is, is the schools. What, what schools are these children going to? Um, in some countries, you will just have specifically international schools for all the children of expats. And this then gets subdivided in certain countries. Mm-hmm. Whereas the second generation um, immigrant child will be going to school with all their neighbors and all the people in that area. Um, and there isn't sort of a division of this is an international school and we're going to celebrate International Day where you wear the clothes from <laughs> the country where your parents come from, which to me uh, was a very strange experience to have that every single year at my school because everyone dresses up and everyone plays their music according to where their parents come from, regardless of whether you relate to that culture or not. So you're standing there in your costume, singing in a language that you don't understand. (laughs) 
Yeah, that must sound like a bit of an out-of-body experience. <laughs> well, there's, there's, I guess, this other thing of, of, of representation that um, MTCKs feel like you're, you're representing your culture, your, um, and, and the TCK experience also is, uh, you know, um, helping us as humans in a way understand how our differences can actually help us come together. So even though it feels really strange and out of body to uh, be singing in a language that you don't understand, your friend from Egypt who also doesn't speak Arabic is going to come on stage next and is going to do the same thing. And it's like, well, we're sharing this weird thing together, but we're doing it together. Um, and other kids, you know, they love it. They love representing. And again, the family influence matters here a lot. Um, I want to say one more thing about schools. Um, there's interesting research um, being done by um, a French psychotherapist um, saying how French international schools in different countries, so um, the government of France will decide the curriculum, etc., and they allow these schools to operate across the world, whether that's in the Middle East or the U.S., and um, they have a very um, strong, I don't want to say agenda, but kind of priority to um, make French culture and the French language really, really prevalent in these schools. So if, if, the, if the French child in Singapore, which French parents is going to one of these French international schools, this person is looking at how that experience um, impacts that person because in some ways they're then going to French school but in Singapore. Um, it's and, a different experience altogether. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because when they go to French school or the German schools, um, they study everything in German mm -hmm. and they... Um, prioritize the German cultures and the German way, the German education syllabus um, and the academic trajectories so that yeah. they can go back to Germany and or to France and go to uni there. So you're definitely right in that some of the, I can, yeah, can only mainly think of European um, international schools, probably also the Chinese and the Japanese. I remember that was quite huge in Singapore, um, where you've got the Japanese international school um, and or the Japanese school and the um, Chinese international schools. Um, there's a Canadian one as well, the American ones, but they're a bit more flexible. You have other cultures coming in there as well, um, other citizenships, other nationalities. Um, but definitely schooling is, 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 is really, really important. And it really colors the experience of the TCK growing up. And I remember um, when I left Singapore for Saudi Arabia, and then I came back to Singapore, I no longer attended the local system, education system. I went to an international school in Singapore with all these other um, 
nationalities, students from you know different countries. And on UN Day, where you come and you represent your country, I was one of like two or three Singaporeans in the whole school because everyone else are in local schools. And, um, and I didn't know what costume to wear because Singapore was so multicultural to begin with. Yes. And I ended up representing my country in, in an international school in my own country wearing the um, Singapore Airlines outfit. <laughs> the, the the Singapore flyer, you know, not flyer, flyer, Chris flyer, um, uniform, and that's how the world knows Singapore. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Science of the Soul. This is a short interruption to let you know that if you or someone you know are in need of more support, you can find me at Road to Recovery on my Facebook page, my Instagram, or my website at aroadtorecovery.org. I hope you've enjoyed listening so far. And now let's get back to the podcast. So enough about that. Um... We can talk forever about our schooling experiences as TCKs and analyze it to death um, as therapists. Um, but what I really wanna wanna ask you is, I know you've been working on your dissertation for a few years now. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about what you've been researching? Um, sure. Um, I was interested in exploring a TCK's experience not only just defining them as, as TCKs, but um, TCKs who grew up in Saudi Arabia. I was particularly interested in how, from my very biased point of view, <laughs> um, living in a country that the outside world looking in, the outside world has a very specific perspective on Saudi Arabia. Um, you would experience that every time you might mention that you grew up in Saudi Arabia and, you know, um, people have some very specific um, narratives. So one part of my interest was sort of to bring to light what are the actual experiences of um, the children of expats growing up in Saudi Arabia. Um, mm. Is it as horrible as the world thinks it is? Is it good? What's it like? Um, and to take that further, I, um, you know, I trained in, in existential psychotherapy. So I was mm. really interested in some of the existential uh, dilemmas and how these dilemmas impact um, a TCK. So the three things uh, I was looking at, uh, I'm looking at, are their sense of belonging, their identity, and their authenticity. So belonging is a difficult concept to explain, but at the same time, it's, it's one of the most important for human development. Um, Maslow's got it uh, right there at, at one of the basic human needs. Um, and, and it's kind of like we, we need to, through our social relationships, um, have a space where we, we can feel like um, we are a part of, even though we might not completely assimilate, or, um, but we, we kind of draw some of our identities from where we belong. 
And I was interested in how um, TCKs in Saudi Arabia experienced this because the, um, the lived experience of living in a housing compound that has um, gates and guards and sometimes after 9-11, tanks with, <laughs> with soldiers. <laughs> And the, and the schools having, having this outside. Um, and, and their parents coming from all these places and their friends from being from all these places and a lot of political discourse, social discourse. Where does that TCK um, find their belonging? And, and how do they then develop their identities um, when so many things are um, multifaceted and um, conflicting in some areas um, and and the third aspect is authenticity which is um, um, a concept that some existential philosophers you know you can take from from Buber to Sartre to Kierkegaard um, to Camus um, who've tried to describe what authenticity is but I think in in the simplest ways I can say is being having a having a sense of being true to oneself um, mm. and oneself is difficult when your identity has so many um facets to it um and your belonging isn't in a physical location and your home isn't in a locate in a physical location so if i'm receiving all these messages um which as children we do, uh, we receive messages from our parents, society, school, friends, parents of friends, all of these messages. If they're coming in, um, if, they're, um, if they sound similar to each other, um, then I can know where I am and where someone else is. Um, but if there's so many and maybe they, they um, conflict each other so for example in Saudi Arabia there's a lot of things for people where freedoms are restricted um, I grew up in a time where women were not allowed to drive but I had the complete awareness um, thanks to my parents that driving is for women is completely normal and it's everything you know every human should be able to do so when you're receiving these messages how do you then develop your own sense of um, you know, being true to yourself. What do you believe in? What 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 are your individual values, um, and your own culture? So you mentioned belonging. What was the second one? Identity mm -hmm. and authenticity. Mm -hmm. Do you find that there's any? Is there much overlap? Yes, between undoubtedly among these three concepts. Undoubtedly, there's um, it. It's we draw a lot of our identities from where um, where we find that sense of belonging, mm -hmm. um, and it's it, it's difficult for TCKs um, to find that um, because of the lack of that actual geographical location. Um, and, and if we're, 
and our identities, you know, there's the social identities and cultural identities, which um, I can get into more detail about in maybe next time we speak uh, about how identity is actually developed and how much influence um, where we are has on that. And the, we, you know, we, we develop identities through relationships, through language, through experiences, through messing up, trying things on, taking things off. Um, but for TCKs, it's, it's too many things. It's just too, it's, well, too many might not be the correct. It's, it's more than the average as compared to a monoculture kid. And so we are really, pardon? Be diverse. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a flow of belonging identity to authenticity, really coming down to that individual person's experience. And what I'm looking at is if that person's experience and their story has any resonance with someone else's story. Um, so I'm interviewing 10 very willful participants who were very happy to share their stories about living in Saudi Arabia. I can't disclose much detail at the moment, um, but I'm looking forward to really digging, uh, getting my teeth into some of this analysis. So that's the stage I'm at at the moment. Wow, that's, that's really, really interesting. Um, I'd love to read your dissertation when it's finished. Um, I think we've been going on for a little bit of time. And before we wrap up, I was just wondering, um, is, there, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Any um, food for thought? Um, for interacting or knowing or being in relationships with TCKs or for um, TCKs if you I, are. I think I, I would just like to mention one thing that comes up for TCKs, whether they're aware of it or not, over and over again, are the hidden losses, a lot of unprocessed grief. Um, for children, when they're losing a friendship, moving home is really difficult. But if they're moving across continents or languages and cultures and leaving their friends behind, leaving their possessions behind, um, it, all that unprocessed grief kind of sort of sometimes blocks them in having meaningful experiences now. Um, so. Um, there's a lot of challenges that come up, a lot of great experiences too, and a lot to learn from TCKs. Mm -hmm. But I think um, for anyone listening who has figured out that maybe they fall under this umbrella, um, be mindful of the things that you, um, I guess, lost and, and how and how and if they are impacting your life now. Um, it's, it's really important, as you would know, as your research is in grief, to honor grief, um, because it, it, it does, um, well, blocking any sort of emotion, block us from um, 
living more meaningful lives. Um, and the other thing is, TCKs, you're um, not alone. <laughs> One statistic that I can mention, I think, um, can't be 100% accurate, but I think it's like uh, an expat moves every 56 seconds. Um, wow. I'm speaking pre-pandemic times, pre-lockdown, um, but somewhere in the world, every 56 seconds, someone is packing up their bags and moving to a different location and, and meeting people and having families and creating more TCKs. This number will have indefinitely gone down. I'm, I'm curious to see how things will be after the travel bans are lifted and people can move again. Um, but you're not alone. There's lots of resources. There are Instagram accounts. There are blogs. Um, there are a lot of resources available online. And, um, you know, reach out and connect with, with, with others who um, can understand you. So true, so true. And before I get really passionate about um, cultures and grief and loss uh, and research, um, we might just wrap up for today. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. It's been it's been quite a learning experience for me to hear you speak. Because even though um, I know a little bit about your research and a little bit about your background and can relate a little bit with the TCK experience, um, there are definitely quite a few takeaway messages for me from uh, what you've shared today. So thank you so much. I hope everyone has enjoyed this um, conversation and stay tuned for further episodes. Bye everyone. Thank, thank you, Mario. Thank you. Bye. Bye.